Peace. Peace. <laughs> See, everybody that's like my age or maybe a little older, they're all like, peace. Because when we grew up, that was a greeting. All the young folks in here are like, where's he going? Why is he leaving already, right? Because now it's like, peace, I'm out, right? Isn't it crazy how a word or how the meaning of a phrase can turn over a generation or two from one thing to the, the exact opposite? You know, if you were raised by a vagabond bunch of hippies like I was, right, it was peace and love and, and, and it was a good thing. It was a greeting, right? It just meant that I was, I was coming in peace. Hey, let's try this. Uh, peace be with you. See, all our Catholic friends, everybody that was raised Catholic, everybody that was raised Episcopal, you're giving yourselves away. It's awesome. All the, all, everybody that was raised Baptist or pagan like me, you're like, I don't, peace isn't with me. I don't have anybody with me. I came by myself today, right? The Bible has much to say about peace. Uh, what it is, where it comes from, how we get it, and, and more importantly, how we keep it. And today, we're going to be looking at what it means to make peace, to wage peace, if you will. You know, we talk a lot about waging war, right? And it just, it evokes this image of going hard after, you know, conflict, right? We're waging war. Well, I want us to kind of turn that phrase today and think about what it means to, to wage peace. If you're new this morning, let me just go ahead and tell you, today's a little different than a typical uh, Sunday at Cedar Creek West. Um, most Sundays, what you would see at this time in our service is a big giant screen would jump, uh, would drop down right here where I am. And uh, we would have a video, live video message from our senior pastor, Philip Lee. And uh, he would be um, teaching us, speaking to us, communicating God's truth to us. But every so often, uh, the campus pastors at each uh, of our locations gets an opportunity uh, to speak, to communicate, to teach something, and, and today is one of those days. Uh, what we try to do is give Pastor Philip a break uh, every so often so that he doesn't burn out. And he's been going hard at it for about the last, I think, 10 weeks, which is really beyond where we like to see him uh, preaching and teaching because it does take a toll on you. And so um, he's been doing that now maybe 10 or maybe 11 weeks. And so he's off today. And so at each of our local campuses, the campus pastor is, is preaching and communicating today. And so I'm, I'm just excited to have an opportunity to share with you. For the last six weeks, we have been in a series called Living Your Blessed Life. And, and we have been looking at some ideas um, that come out of a, a sermon uh, that Jesus communicated and preached long ago that really is the most famous uh, sermon that he's ever known for. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus gives us uh, these um, ideas or what we call beatitudes of how to live a blessed life, how to live a life that God blesses, right? What are the things that we do and say that honor God? And that in turn, God says, that's good stuff. I like seeing my people do that. We find that in Matthew chapter 5, and, and today we're in verse 9, which says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, I got to tell you, I love this verse because uh, before I really studied it and before I really knew what it meant, um, it was a verse that in law enforcement in my former life that we sort of clung on to, Right? You cops in the house know what I'm talking about. This is a verse that we put on t-shirts with the blue stripe, and it's, it's central to who we are because we see ourselves as peacemakers, as people who are going about a job and making peace in a culture and in a society where there's not a whole lot of peace going on. So this is a verse that's kind of near and dear to my heart, and over the last, well, really a couple of years and over the last several weeks, God has really um, 
expanded sort of my understanding about what it means to make peace and how we as followers of Jesus can do just that. Jesus says those who work for peace will be identified as belonging to the family of God. That's what it says, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the children of God, the sons and daughters of God. So there's an identity, there's an identification with Jesus how we live our lives, right? People will see what we do and they will recognize Jesus in us, especially when it comes to this issue of peace. Right there at the top of your outline, I want you to write this down. Making peace is always better than keeping peace. Making peace is always better than keeping peace. See, making peace is active. Uh, it, It requires that somebody do something. Peacekeeping, on the other hand, is is kind of passive, and, and it's often identified by a lack of action, right? I mean, if you think about, um, what's a good context? The um, United Nations, right? When they send troops into an area to do peacekeeping, they are largely known for not really doing anything other than, I mean, a physical presence. I'm not diminishing that action. I'm just saying that they're, they're not going in heavy. They're not going in to solve a problem or to make peace. They're going in to just kind of make sure that nothing really happens, right? That we're just here just in case we provide a physical presence. And so it's really marked by a lack of action rather than an abundance of action. Peacemaking, on the other hand, usually results in a positive result. And and resolving conflict, which is what we're really going to talk about today, um, and restoring a right relationship. That's what peacemaking turns into, right? It turns into resolving conflict and restoring relationships. When you hear the term peacemaker, who do you think of? Are there names that, that pop into your mind? Maybe famous people from history? I know for me, I think about um, people like Mother Teresa, right? Mother Teresa was somebody who, um, by, by doing what she did, she served the least of these, right? The, the, the street children of Calcutta, India. She gave her life away in service to others. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, right? Who led a, a peaceful uh, resistance movement for civil rights to, to change the culture of this country. He did something to make peace. Susan B. Anthony, way back in our history, right? She was an abolitionist and she was a suffragist. She did things that fought for and worked for peace. I think about Nelson Mandela. He was a guy that as I was growing up, his life was very much in the news. He spent 27 years, I believe, in prison in South Africa for what he believed in the movement that he was trying to lead to make peace. All of these folks are known for what they did to work for peace. So for us, as followers of Jesus, if we're going to be peacemakers, then there are a couple of things that we need to do. And so let's jump in this morning. The first thing that I believe we need to do to be a peacemaker is to make peace with God. We need to make peace with God. You say, Wes, how in the world do we do that? Well, Let me sort of give you a a fundamental baseline of where we start from here. Every single person has an issue with God. We all have this issue of sin, a sin that separates us from a right relationship with God. 
And we all have this problem, and it causes us to be, the Bible says, enemies of God. And so it's called sin, and every single one of us has it. The Bible says that all have fallen short. Not some, but all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so we, we say things, and we do things, and we live our lives in ways that do not honor God. In fact, they may yet sometimes um, conflict with how God says or what God says is best for our lives. And so we all have this issue. And it keeps us from being able to be in a right relationship with a just and holy God. But there's good news. The good news, in fact, is that God is the ultimate peacemaker. Amen? He was the first peacemaker. And he made a way for us to be at peace with him through a relationship with Jesus. Look at Romans 5.1. It says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by, what's that word? Faith. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have Peace with God. Circle that word peace. Peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So, so God has made a way for us through Jesus to be made right. Well, what has Jesus done? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let's look at what I believe is the most concise and the most clear picture of the gospel, of the good news, of the person and work of Jesus, who he is and what he has done. And it's found uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, the 15th chapter. You don't have it on your outlines. It's kind of long, but I'm going to read it, and, and then we're going to unpack it just a little bit. I want to share it with you this morning. This is, like I said, I think probably the clearest and most concise picture of the gospel of who Jesus is and what he has done. It says this, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, and if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. And this is where it gets good, because this is, this is where it at. it's at right here. Nothing is more important than this right here. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That He was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And the Apostle Paul who wrote this goes on to say, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. Paul says this is the good news, that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, died a death on the cross, we would say a substitutionary death. He took our place, the penalty of our sin and our shame upon himself. The Bible says he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And he died and he was buried and he was raised again three days later just as he said he was going to do. Just as the scriptures had said was going to happen. So how do we access this forgiveness, this salvation that comes? How do we have a relationship with Jesus. Well, it's right here in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. It says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. See, that's it. it, it it's faith alone in Christ alone. You openly declare your faith and you believe in your heart. 
That's why we ask people that come and and want to be baptized as an outward symbol of the the decision that they've made to follow Jesus. We say to them, um, what's your profession of faith? Or or, why are we here in the water? We usually ask a question and it gives them the opportunity to do exactly what Romans says, to profess their faith in Jesus. And they usually say something like, um, uh, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, or I want to follow Jesus, I love Jesus, something like that. And so they get a chance to publicly profess that faith that's in their heart. So I have a question for all of us this morning, and it's this. Have you done that? Have you made peace with God? And and if the answer is no or I'm not sure, I would implore you today to make this decision by faith, to trust Jesus and to ask him to forgive you and, and, and for you to place your faith in him and begin a relationship with Jesus by faith today. We have a baptism coming up next month and we would love nothing more than to celebrate with you, go in public with that faith, to give you an opportunity to say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And if you're here and you say, you know, I'm not sure whether I've ever really done this, let me just tell you, you probably haven't. Because if you had, you would know it. I I just know from my own life and from other people that I've talked to, and I'll just give you just a bit of my backstory. I, I didn't grow up in church. I joked that I was raised by a bunch of pagans, but it's true. There were not a lot of believers in my family. But at a time in my teenage years, I I went to a youth event that was strangely enough in a basketball gym at my high school. God's great like that, how he turns things and and does, you know. But um, I heard a guy get up. I don't know who he was. I I don't remember his name, but he got up and he spoke and he he shared the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. And he said, "And, and, and you have this issue of sin, just like I've said to you this morning. And you need to do something about it, but you can't do anything about it apart from faith in Jesus. He's already done something about it. And I responded that night and I said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give him my life. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Now, did I walk in that path from that day forward? No, I did for about a year. And then I kind of fell away. I I got disenchanted with some of the things I saw going on in church. Some of you may be familiar with that. You maybe know what I'm talking about, right? I saw some things that weren't biblical, that weren't Jesus things in church. Imagine that. (gasps) Yeah, it happens. People are people, right? And it led me away from church for a long time. But I finally, God brought me back. Some people helped me find my way back to God. And and, and my hope this morning is that if you've never kind of drawn that line in the sand, if you can't say, yes, this is when I gave my life to Jesus, that today would be that day. The second thing that we must do if we're going to be peacemakers, we need to, to make peace with God. That's where it begins. He's the Prince of Peace, right? And all peace comes ultimately from Him. And we need to make peace with God. But the second thing that we need to do is we need to make peace with others. We need to make peace with others. All of us have conflict in our lives. If you're here today and you would say, um, I don't, I don't have any conflict with anybody. I will tell you, you are either oblivious or you don't have any friends or family or anybody that you hang out with. You're not in a home group. You're not serving. You're a hermit. You know, you just popped your head out of the gopher hole this morning to come to church. And, you know, or you're just hiding your head in the sand like an ostrich does. Because all of us have conflict. So if you have conflict, and we do, we need to know what, what do we do with that? How do we resolve that conflict in a healthy way. And so Romans 12, 18 says something very interesting. And I've I've read this verse before and it, it never really struck me until this week, but it says this. 
It says, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Romans 12, 18. Can I tell you a secret? You will not be able to live at peace with everyone. But, but Wes, the Bible said I'm supposed to. Yes, as far as it concerns you, do all that you can to live at peace. It does not say you will live at peace with everyone, right? Because we're people and we have conflict. And so where we can, we need to do all that we can. We need to work in a way that, that works toward conflict resolution, that works toward solving that problem. But sometimes, sometimes, and Tim back me up on this if I'm wrong, healthy boundaries is the most loving thing that you can do. Sometimes separating yourself from a relationship that's toxic is what it's required to be able to live at peace with somebody. It's just a reality. This week in our, um, in our home groups, you're going to be going a little bit deeper into this process. There's like a, at least for our lesson this week, there's a seven-step process, seven ways that you can help have healthy conflict resolution. We don't have time to get into all of that today and unpack it. So I pulled what I think are the two most important things out today, and I want to share them with you this morning. They're not on your outline. We didn't have room, but just write these down. Uh, the first one is this. If we're going to make peace with others and we're going to resolve conflict, the first thing that we need to do is you go first. You go first, right? Peacemaking requires action. And to do all that we can to live at peace with others requires that we go first. I know that's a hard concept, especially when somebody has offended you, especially when somebody has hurt you, or maybe you weren't the cause of the, the strife and the struggle in the relationship. And hear me, I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm not saying, yes, just you know, heap some more trouble on me and, and, and make this harder for me. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you take the first step. Trusting Jesus the Prince of Peace. When you're working toward peace in a spirit of peace, God will give you what you need to try to resolve that conflict. We need to go first. And the second thing that we need to do is that we need to value relationship over resolution. We need to value relationship over resolution. Even if you can't completely resolve the issue, can you get to some common ground? Can you take a step can you, can you get to a place where you're at least beginning the peacemaking process? This isn't, a, this isn't a three happy hops to peacemaking, right? It's not do this, do X, then Y, do A, then B. It doesn't happen like that. It's kind of a fluid flowing situation where we're, we're taking steps and we're trusting God to fill in the gaps. But ultimately, what we want to acknowledge and what we want to recognize is that it's more important to be in a relationship than it is to be right. Or it's more important to be in relationship than it is to be resolved. We can still love people that we disagree with. My wife will tell you that today. There are many things in our life that she disagrees with me about, but she loves me anyway. And there might be one or two things that I disagree with her about, and, she, and I love her anyway. But I got a whole lot more stuff that she disagrees with me about. But we value the relationship over the resolution, right? We're willing to be peacemakers in that matter. So why does it matter? Why does this issue of making peace with others matter? Why is it so important? Well, because we represent Jesus, right? Those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, who call ourselves Christ followers or Christians or whatever term you prefer, when our faith is in Jesus and we trust him, 
we become the visible representation of the invisible God, right? Sometimes the only Jesus somebody sees is you, good and bad. Sometimes the only Bible they'll ever know is how they see you live your life. Remember, we represent Jesus. And when you identify yourself as a follower of his, people hold you to a different standard. And rightfully so. I mean, we're people and we make mistakes and we can acknowledge that amongst ourselves and we need to acknowledge that with others, especially non-believers. Say, look, I don't have it all together. Yes, I follow Jesus, but I'm jacked up. And he's working on me every day. I still say things and do things. I'll just tell you right now, we were at Belt the other night and I don't know what I said or did, but I did something and Kelly wasn't happy and I just said, I'm sorry. I don't know what I said or what I did, but I did something. And it caused conflict, right? It happens. And so when people see that, re that realness, when we're, when we're not trying to be something we're not, when we don't put on this Jesus mask or this Christianese mask, there's a lot of value in that. People will see who we are. And we represent Jesus. You say, Wes, where do you get this idea? Well, I see it right here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through verse 20. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, his followers, this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Can I just tell you that this is most important in our families, spouses, it's most important with your kids, it's most important in your church family, in your home group. Why? Because this is where we spend the majority of our time. And these are the people who we can wound the deepest because we love them and they love us the most, right? A, a harsh word from a husband to his wife can wound her far greater than anybody else could say or do something that would. And so if we're followers of Jesus, if we're Christ's ambassadors, if we're representing him, which is what an ambassador does, right? We send ambassadors all over the world. And they, they go on behalf of the United States, right? They stand in the place of our government. And they make decisions and they have the full authority of our government. And it's the same for us. When we are followers of Jesus, we stand in this place of saying, I represent Jesus. And so if the people around us look at our relationships and they're less than stellar, what does that say about our Lord? What does that say about our walk with Him? Are we willing to do the hard work to, to resolve conflict, to work on our relationships? People see Jesus in us. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. And that God is making His appeal through us. That, that scares me to death. Can I just tell you that this morning? It, it scares me to death to know that when people see me, as a representative of Jesus, and they catch me at a bad moment, if they had been at Belt the other night and overheard me and saw us, I would, I would not be very happy and proud with myself. But God's grace is sufficient. And my wife's grace is sufficient. And so we need to give 
one another grace. Write this down. This is not on your outline, but you won't value peace until you value people. You won't value peace until you value people. See, that's, that's where it starts. When we see people as a benefit to us, as a help to us, as people who we love and care about, then that drives us to want to live in peace with them. And if we as followers of Jesus understand that every single person around us is made in the image of God, then we would love them accordingly and we will make peace with them. That's why Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the most important commandment. And the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love those people around you like you love yourself. How we love people is how we love God. And you'll never value peace until you value people. So my last question for you today is this. Who do you need to make peace with? Who is it in your world that you're at odds with right now? Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody at home group. Maybe it's somebody here at church. <gasps> really? We get mad at folks at church? Yeah, sure we do. Who is it in your world? And what step can you take this week to be a peacemaker? To go first? And to focus on the relationship more than the resolution? Take a step. Invite somebody to coffee. Have a conversation tonight at the dinner table or this afternoon. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't say, well, I'm going to pray about that, right? That's Christianese for I'm going to stall and never do it. Do it. We already know that that's God's heart, that we make peace. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called. They will be identified as children of God. Would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you so much. Lord, we thank you for your word that is true. We thank you for today, for waking us up, giving us another day of life, putting breath in our lungs, bringing us here to this place. God, so that we can be together to celebrate you, to sing songs of praise to you, to hear the truth of your word, and Lord, to have it impact our lives. We pray that the Holy Spirit would challenge us, encourage us, convict us, do whatever you want to do in our hearts and lives this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are a peacemaker that you have made peace with us through Jesus and that all we have to do to access that is by faith, trust in who he is and what he has done. Lord, I pray for my friends here this morning who maybe have never done that before. I pray that you would speak to their hearts. If that's you this morning and you're here, I just tell you in the privacy of your own heart, you don't have to stand up. You don't have to come down forward. You can just pray in your heart, God, would you forgive me? Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me. Change me from the inside out. Come to my rescue and begin walking by faith in a new life today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts today, that you would bring to our minds somebody that we're in conflict with and that we would do what you have said. We would go first. Because relationships matter. Our relationship with you and our relationship with others. And I pray, God, that we would take steps of faith today to do the hard work, to step out of a comfort zone so that you would be glorified. Because when we do, we represent you.
We represent your heart. You went first, God. So help us to go first with those in our lives that we're in conflict with. We love you. We thank you. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.